Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. A lot of money is spent to do research in order to better understand potential and current customers. In a fast-changing world, many of the factors that go into gaining consumer insights can change suddenly. This means well-planned research can suddenly be missing a key factor, such as a global pandemic, an economic downturn, or other issues that may cause consumers to have very different priorities almost overnight. Today, we're going to talk about agile research and how you can gain customer insights based on research that doesn't go out of date the minute you get the results. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Corey Lipman, founder of JumpSpark, formerly on the Global Human Insights team at Procter & Gamble. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this subject with you. Why don't we start uh, with you giving a little background on yourself uh, as well as what you're currently doing? Sure. So I've been in the consumer insights industry for the last 14 years, having worked on both the research agency side as well as at P&G. And at P&G, I worked on the Global Human Insights team, uh, where I was responsible for evolving the way that Procter & Gamble researchers around the globe understand their consumers. Now, P&G has always been the most sophisticated company in the world when it comes to understanding their consumers. And I was responsible for finding those best-in-class technologies and best-in-class research approaches that can really improve our practice. And from my time in those last 14 years in the industry, I built a best-in-class consumer learning toolkit that really maximizes the ROI on learning budgets. And I'm now bringing that toolkit to the broader industry through my company, JumpSpark, which I just launched this April. Wonderful. Well, um, so today we're going to talk about consumer research. So, you know, what, what you've been doing for, for, you know, for your career here. And so, you know, we're going to talk about both some of the ways to do it well, as well as some of the things that pose some challenges to both researchers as well as marketers. So I touched on this in the intro, but can you talk a little bit more about some of the things that can be problematic about sinking a lot of time and effort into research when, there's so many external factors that can change often suddenly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, many consumer insights folks have spent their careers really learning how to do research in a very rigorous way. And when you're consulting your business on what your consumers want, you really want to make sure that your, your understanding of what your consumers want is based in reality. You know, and this means that many folks have, have really been trained throughout their careers to spend their money and their time doing highly robust research that gets as close as possible to that truth. However, the the truth, the shelf life of what is true, it's shrinking as the world becomes more unstable. As the pandemic came and as we're dealing with inflation and a Russian-Ukrainian war, what is true about consumers is just changing a lot more frequently. And what that means is like the value equation 
it, it just changes in terms of the research that you do. Yeah. So for example, in, in, in February of 2020, I was speaking to somebody who was about to do this very large research project to understand media habits in six different countries. And if they followed through with that and spent a lot of money and a lot of their time to understand media habits in February of 2020, <laughs> you know, guess what? That would have been completely irrelevant two months later. Right. So, you know, what that means is like there's still a time and a place to do robust research, but there's a lot of instances where it's better to do research in an agile way and get real-time learnings instead. Yeah. So how does this affect brands? I mean, you know, they're they're relying on research and customer data in order to make some pretty large financial decisions. How does this how does this affect how they how they make decisions? Yeah, so I, I don't think it changes the importance of data. I think you still need to rely on data to understand, you know, how to make those business decisions. It just changes that dynamic. Yeah. So instead of doing a one-time project to really understand consumers in a very rigorous way, uh, it may be better to do take that same research budget and split it up into several smaller projects that allow you to get more of a real-time understanding of consumers. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute as well, but how do brands kind of get around this idea? And, you know, what, what are some of the ways that they do use research that might or might not be able to, you know, be quickly out of date once, once these large factors change? I mean, realistically, certain things just, they do change when, when yeah. these large factors yeah. change, right? So, but some things don't. So like there are some fundamental human truths that don't change. You know, for example, if you're trying to understand if an ad campaign is going to be effective, like there are certain factors that make an ad successful regardless of the outer context. So, you know, if an ad has good brand linkage or is simple enough to understand, like those things aren't going to be affected by the outside context. So what you really need to understand is which types of research projects require that high rigor because they're likely to be stable over time yeah. and which research projects require more of an agile approach. Got it. Got it. And so, you know, to, to follow onto that and you just use the term agile, I use it as well, agile research in the, in the intro here, while that may not be an official approach by researchers, you know, I, as we were prepping for the show, we talked a bit about this as well. What is, what does agile research mean to you? And, and what does it mean to the way that research might be approached? So, I mean, agile research to me really refers to ensuring that the research you do is telling you what you need in real time. So traditionally, research was more one and done. You'd spend a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort to uncover the learnings that you want, and you'd use those learnings for years to come. Yeah. Agile research looks and feels very different. So with agile research, when, you're, when your business has a question, you're able to provide the best answer possible in the shortest amount of time. Got it. Got it. Can you give a maybe a practical example, even if it's hypothetical, of how a marketer or researcher might approach things in this way? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for one example, for, you know, is right now a lot of companies are trying to understand how important sustainability matters to their consumers. So traditionally, you may have run a number of different focus groups and a large scale survey in six or eight different markets to understand how do people feel about sustainability. But you and I both know like the way people are going to feel about sustainability in five years and 10 years, it's going to be very, very different. Right, right. So a more agile way to address that might involve creating a platform that can track how you know, consumer search patterns are changing over time. How are people 
what are people looking for? What information are people looking for online as it, as it you know, refers to sustainability? And you might want to look at ratings and reviews for certain products to see how often are people mentioning the eco-friendliness of those products. That would be an example of yeah. getting a more real-time understanding of consumers as opposed to doing a one-and-done project. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So uh, this is kind of the, maybe the meta question, but how do you know if you're doing this well? You know, how, how do you measure validity, reliability, accuracy, what, you know, however you kind of couch it, how, how do you measure that in your research and, and what's a reasonable expectation in, you know, as, as things move so quickly these days? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, at the end of the day, the success criteria should be, did you make the right business decision or not? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you want to figure out what is your business objective and did you achieve that objective? So sometimes that objective is immediate sales. Sometimes it's greater brand awareness. Sometimes it's something else. But, you know, accuracy and validity matter as much as it predicts the bis business decision you need to make. Yeah. So, you know, for example, if you're, if you're running a concept test, at the end of the day, you want to figure out, did you choose the right product concept that's going to work with consumers? Like that's what you need to, that's what, that's the decision that the criteria that matters. There are times you need to get the exact numbers right, but more often than not, you just want to figure out what information do you need to make the right business decision? Yeah. I mean, in a sense, that's, it's similar to the, the MarTech platforms, the, you know, all the, the software, right? I mean, the, the, you mentioned it already, you know, sales could be the the measure of that, you know, if, if you do, if you make the right decisions, sales will increase customer engagement will increase, you know, whatever, whatever those metrics are, at the end of the day, those will increase versus do you have the up to the minute sentiment or, or something like that? I mean, do you, do you think that's true? Yeah, 100%. I mean, at, like, ultimately, what matters when it comes to like, any, anything you're investing in from your business, what you want to do is grow the business, ultimately. So yeah. of course you want to make sure that you're you're getting good data and that you're you're getting valid data. Of course that's important, but the degree to which you know th there's a um, diminishing returns with how rigorous your research is. <laughs> you can yeah. spend a ton of money getting the most precise answers possible, but depending on the risk level <laughs> of the decision you're making, and like depending on what your business objective is, sometimes it's better to invest less money and less time as opposed to really going all in spending as much time and as much money as possible to get the perfect perfect answer 
Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up the the diminishing returns because uh, I'm sure you know I've had plenty of clients. I'm sure you have as well, and 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 those listening can probably relate. There are certainly the risk adverse clients, and some of those come from very risk averse industries and and stuff. But how do you or you know how have you successfully kind of gotten past that of like okay, well let's let's wait you know, X amount of days, months, whatever, you know, until the research comes in to, to do anything, you know, this, the, it's kind of the counter to agile, right? But how have you successfully kind of gotten past that, that objection and, and move things forward? So, I mean, ultimately, that's, that is the role of the researcher, you know, it is your job to figure out, is the question that I need to address? Is that a high risk decision or not? And, you know, there, there are certain industries that are just a lot more risk adverse than others. So you need to navigate that as well. But it's really ultimately up to, you know, the person who, who's going off and doing the research to, to understand truly, is this the kind of a project that requires a high level of rigor? Or can I consult my team to, to show them that this, you know, this may be answered in a more agile way and give, give us what we need? Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, that's really, the, that, that's really what you're hired to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got it. Where do you see the future of consumer insights and research? I mean, you know, looking two, three, five years down the road, you know, what what trends are you seeing in 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 your work and, and in the industry? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the the biggest shift that I'm seeing right now is a movement away from research projects and a movement towards platforms. So you, you used to need to hire a full-service research agency every time you had a research question. So if you think about 30 years ago, if you wanted to understand your consumers, the only way to do that was to hire a big company that was going to go run a survey or focus groups. That was really the only way you could understand your consumers many years ago. Now there's so much information that you can gather on your own or through platforms that don't require humans. So, you know, for example, there are platforms that can analyze online ratings reviews, online search search patterns, and how people are talking about products in, in, in news and blogs and forums. Like there's, there's so much data that you can use to address some of those questions that you used to need a survey or a focus group to, to answer. And then the other thing that's clearly changing the game in, in consumer insights is AI. There is, I mean, this is affecting, affecting every industry out there, right. but how AI is just completely changing every aspect of how we understand consumers, whether that is the AI involved in doing a survey, the AI involved in, you know, capturing insights from consumer interviews, or whether that AI is analyzing online data. So I would say those are the, the, the biggest trends that I'm seeing in this space today. Yeah, yeah. And I guess just to follow on the AI piece, because certainly that's, uh, to your point, that's it's affecting a lot of a lot of industries in in many different ways. How are you seeing that used pretty much across the board, or you know, are the large research firms using it primarily? Is it is it smaller firms, or is it you know is it pretty widespread at this point? It's a great question. Not even close to as much as it should be used. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are so many incredible capabilities that are just not really widespread yet. And I mean, I, I had a privileged position of speaking to, I think, over 130 different suppliers over the last few years, you know, just because of the job that I had. Yeah. So I got a lot of visibility into what are those really sophisticated approaches that aren't widespread yet. 
And the more I learned about AI, the more I realized that there's just so many pieces of the overall picture that are ready to be completely disrupted. I would say many companies, many of the large companies are still reluctant to use these approaches because you need to obviously validate, like, is this incremental to what I'm doing today? And is it, is it getting us valuable, valid data? Yeah. It takes companies a while to really understand that. So there's a, a slow adoption among a lot of companies, um, but the capabilities are out there. And then I guess one other thing I should point out is AI doesn't answer everything. I think a lot of people think of AI as, you know, eventually it'll just do everything that we need to do. <laughs> right. you, you need human brains, you need creativity. Like It's not going to give you everything you need, but there are virtually everything that you do that's manual, that can all be automated. And that's really going to change the game in the consumer inside space. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I in pretty much in every application, I see it as augmentation, not you know taking our jobs or, or whatever or whatever. It's it's more you know when when it's used well, it it augments because uh, humans are machines are really really good at, at a set of things, and humans are really really good at a different set of things. And there there's maybe a little overlap, but um, it's I don't I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're, you're right that people will always need to be involved in business decisions, right? Like your right. AI can help and supplement yeah. your thinking, but over time, you should be doing a lot less of the manual work that you needed to do in the past. And there's also a lot of more sophisticated ways of analyzing big data sets that don't require a human to, to do it. Yeah. So in the same way that you think of it like a computer, like a long time ago, people didn't use computers at all and, you know, when they're doing work. And now the ways that we can build a business because of the internet and because of just computer technology, it just facilitates the way that you can build a business. Yeah. AI, it's the same thing. It's just, it's a tool. It's not going to replace us, but it can completely change how we do our jobs today. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up here. You've given a lot of great advice already, but you know what's what's one piece of advice you'd have for marketers that are they're planning to undergo some consumer research in the months ahead? What what would you advise them to? How how would you advise them to approach it? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say if you're doing research, whether it be in two months from now or in twenty years from now, the two key things you need to think about are one, how much risk is involved in the decision I need to make. And secondly, how likely is consumer behavior on this topic going to remain stable if the world's completely changed? So when it comes to the risk perspective, if it's a very high risk decision, if you're changing the name of a billion dollar brand, you're going to want to do really rigorous research and, and, and trust in the research that you know is going to give you the most valid, precise data. If it's a much less risky decision, then you should be looking at things, looking at more agile approaches. And then when it comes to the stability over time, like that second vector, how likely is consumer behavior going to change over time? If, if it's something that's going to change frequently, like the path to purchase for our products, you know, how are people shopping in stores versus online? Like this is something that's obviously going to change over time. That's something you might want to take more of an agile approach towards. If it's something that's likely going to be, remain more stable, like, you know, how do people feel when they experience cavities? <laughs> right. That's the thing that you may want to, you know, you might want to do more rigorous research as opposed to taking an agile approach. So basically to summarize, I would say 
make sure that you're thinking of those two vectors, one being how much risk is involved in the decision I'm going to make. And second is how likely are the learnings going to remain stable over time? Great. Yeah. No, great advice. Well, Corey, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and, and what you're doing? Yeah. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Corey Lipman. You can also find my website. Uh, my JumpSpark website is uh, jumpspark.ca. Uh, you can go find that on, uh, on Greg's website. But yeah, you can add me to LinkedIn or, or uh, contact me through my website. Great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Corey Lipman, founder of JumpSpark, for joining the show. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L strom.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.